Hello and welcome to Season 3 of the E3 Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Mottram. This podcast is all about building science, healthy homes, architecture, and female entrepreneurship. So prepare to get nerdy. Welcome to this week's episode of the E3 Podcast with Mark Willey. If you don't know Mark already, get ready for some interesting conversation that I'd like to dub Mark's World. This is a two-part series, so enjoy part one. So big shout out to my buddy Mark here, who's doing a lot for building science with his full-time job and with all of his for free jobs that he does between BS Friday and Passive House Accelerator and everything else. So Mark, tell us who you actually are and what you're up to. Awesome. Uh, great to be here, uh, Emily. So who I actually am is, is, is Mark Willey. Um, I, I've, uh, I've, I've used that introduction my whole life because that's the name my parents gave me. Um, and it, it, it's interesting. So I come from uh, I, I come from a set of parents. My, my, my mother was a preschool teacher, and uh, that was at a, a church two blocks from the house. And my dad ran a lumber yard two blocks the other direction. So it gives you a little idea on me. But uh, I walked into the preschool uh, my first day and I said, uh, I'm Mark Willie. Where do I sit? And what do you want me to do today? Right. And so we laugh in our family. We have a lot of educators and we say that what a child says at, at, at five and six and seven years old is what they say the rest of their life, because it's uh it's part of, it's part of something that that just gets you know morphed, and so, the rest of my life I walk in a room I'm like hey, I'm Mark Willie, where do I sit? What do you want me to do? Right, um, so I I don't know what caused that at the time, couldn't tell you, uh, and now it's just a ritual habitual right so. Uh, I'm a, I'm a talker. I'll tell you, that's who I am, Emily. That's for sure. Me too. Anybody <laughs> who listens to the podcast already knows that. And I, it wasn't something I said, but something my mom said that has always stuck to me. Uh, when I was a kid, she said, you just march to the beat of a different drummer. And so I've taken that with me and I just roll with it. Like I'm doing my thing. It's cool. I don't care if I'm weird. I don't care if I'm different. I'm just doing me. And that's worked for me for my whole life. So I'm going to keep rolling with that. You know, the different drummer thing is, is a thing that, that, that they say in life. And you said, uh, you said different, right? When someone comes and says, well, well, you're different. Like for me, the, the reaction is always like, do you not realize that we're all amazingly different? Like, I'm looking at crazy different when you just said that to me, but you're calling me different. Awesome. Well, embrace the difference, brother. <laughs> I think that's, that's something, you know, that enough people don't take to heart. We're all different. And because we're different is what makes us interesting, right? Trying yep. to be too much same, same, just not super interesting. And then you go through those, those teenage and those, those exploratory years where you get large groups of people who all are saying they're different and they're all exactly the same, right? It's kind of, it's kind of like the building science community. They're so different, but oh my gosh, are they a similar bubble? 
<laughs> it, that's so true because we're we're writing the pretty good house book right so most people know we're working on that and there are four authors who are who are helping to bring the book together and the publisher said to us the one day or the editor said to us the one day he's like you guys must spend too much time together because it's pretty amazing how you all wrote different chapters but you have the same voice and i was like that means we're doing something good right <laughs> So it is right. You guys have a way of finishing each other's sentences because the, the place you're trying to get to um, is, is so immense, right? It needs so many steps. Um, God, I love that name. Pretty good house. It just makes you feel good. Does Literally. It? it really makes you feel good. Right. Makes you feel good. It brings out all kinds of hilarious jokes. It's a reminder that life should be fun, right? Like it should be fun. It should be lighthearted. We all work too hard to not have fun. You know, we were just talking before we popped on here about liking what you do, right? It's the right people in in your office that are part of your team that makes it enjoyable. I mean, and that's how I feel about building science, not just the, the team of people that I work with every day, but building sciences, man, have I met some really cool people since we started BSNB. I mean, I knew some cool people, but it was very geographically close um, before uh, and crazy what this pandemic has brought about. But I have now met some incredible people all over the country, Canada, Australia, um, and in the building science community, man, like, it's just a pleasure. Like I never would have met you before BS and beer. And now it's like, Hey, yeah, uh, uh, unless I happen to be at the, at the market in Maine. And I was like, Hey, what's that be on your hat? Are you a Bruins fan? <laughs> right, so, right. It's all about the hockey here. So you said something interesting there, right? Um, and and I'll, I'll get to it. You know, sometimes it takes a story for me to get back. Um, but in, 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 in your discovery of sustainability and, and all this, you've probably heard of the three P's, right? Um, and, and people that are listening to this, they're, they're echoing it in their head. They're saying people, planet, profit. And um, it, it's great to have that as a foundation. Um, but the, at the end of the day, um, I feel that there's, there's four P's and it's, it's people, it's places, it's projects, and it's products. It's a four-legged stool. Um, and, of course, it has to do with uh, the health and comfort and, and the, the light impact on, uh, on, on the soil and the, and the air above us. But that, that 4P, I think, is something that resonates uh, a lot farther than the three P's that for some reason are not part of standard speak. That's true. There's a lot of truth to that. And so you brought up products and if people don't know who you are, let's do a, a, a left field and go into products because I do want you to tell me more about tea studs. Like what is this with tea studs? And I was so impressed with um, the people who entered the, the wall challenge this year with a couple of students and of eight submissions, two of them had tea studs in it. So what can you tell me about tea studs? Yeah. Do you want me to start with tea stud or do you want 
you want to you want a left left field on uh, how building materials are such a part of my life. Ooh, let's take a left left turn okay. and start with building materials and get to build up to T studs. So uh, uh, we started earlier. Uh, my dad was uh, uh, running lumber yards. So at 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 that time, um, it was customary for entire families to be invited to uh, uh, building conferences and expos uh, because it, it, it was more common that that was the quote unquote vacation. And uh, you couldn't really leave your, your distribution center and leave your family. So the only time you could was to insert both. So blessed as a, as literally a, a, a little kid walking down expo aisles, right? And, and what do they do? They, they hand out, you know, novelties like little rulers and, and little, little everything's right. Everything was miniaturized and uh, you know, you're a kid. So you pick it up and you ask questions and you pick it up and you ask questions. So going throughout your life, you find yourself in settings that maybe they're supposed to go a different way, but your brain doesn't follow it. So I'd be in a classroom and they're on these tangents that are useless to my little head. And I start counting the ceiling tiles uh, in, the, in the room. And I start figuring out uh, the size of the windows and, and all these other things. I mean, I'm, I'm just engulfed in the surroundings. So fast forward, nothing has changed. Um, I just realized that all those materials were different. So we were blessed in the 90s. Chicago kind of uh, embraced that whole uh, lead movement. And they said all of our municipal commercial buildings must be lead. And all of our, uh, all of our single family homes, we must have weatherization. You know, foreign words, completely foreign words at the time. Green and sustainability had their days before that, but then now this was coming back in. And so I was blessed to be involved with a group that uh, was called Green Maker and later uh, joined with Green Depot. And, and we just had these amazing products and they, uh, they, they had in mind the, the, the craftspeople and the laborers that were touching them, that were putting them in. Um, and they, they had these amazing thoughts that uh, we need to think about air and where it goes and vapor and where it goes, right? It just sounded profound. And uh, we needed to think about something besides an R11 bat of insulation, very profound. And so uh, we had, in addition to that, a place called Chicago Center for Green Technology. And we had... Uh, the, the Department of Environment, and we had the Green Homes Program, all, all of which, all of these categories, Emily, are gone. They were, they were ab abolished, which is another comical thing. But with that, you had, you had a culture of people that you would meet with, let's say, on Tuesday nights and Thursday nights and twice on Saturdays that were all chasing these these solutions, trying to get them locally. And, um, and it, it wasn't on the internet. And maybe you could find a course in Vermont, right? Uh, it, 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 
how do you get to Vermont? You got to be back at the job on Monday. So it was, it was all engulfing. And uh, that was, that was the youth to the professional change of uh, materials, right? Like, how do I find about, about uh, out about something? And uh, you, you would scour Scandinavia and you would scour Europe and then come to find out that Kenan Flores has already brought it into New York and, and, and they're carrying it and these endeavors happen. So that's the, that's the left, left field before we get to your left field. How's that sound? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so re- really simple. Um, what do you have and what can you do with it? Right. It comes from uh, a farmer's philosophy. There's no going places it's who in your community knows something or has something. How can you, how can you give, take, borrow, share? Um, really simple. So uh, you want back to this left field now? I like this left field because my dad is a dairy farmer. In case you haven't listened to, to, I come from a farm family. And hearing you say that is one thing I don't think I've ever said is maybe the construction industry needs to spend a little bit more time looking at what the farmers do to make these things happen. Cause they are the, they are the true entrepreneurs, right? They're all running their own businesses. And you, it seems like some of the really successful that they all share and they all help each other. And like, I mean, Yes, it was part of the family, but you know, my dad's sister owns a produce farm and we would all go over and like my grandfather until he was really too old to do it would go over and, and pick corn and pick strawberries and do all that stuff. It's like, we all like everybody helped each other out and whether you're family or just neighbors or like it's, and everything was kind of local, right? You got, I, I always joke, I grew up farm to table and I didn't know that was a thing, like until it was a thing. Cause I was just like, well, that. I don't know. That was just how I was raised. So very interesting point there on farmers. It, it, uh, it's, it's all, it's all the local philosophy there. And, and the joy of learning from a farmer is um, they're, they're, they have strong habits, right? And, and their habits are, are based off of uh, 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 the, the almanac, right? And the almanac pretty much tells you each, each week about what's going to occur and then your 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 planting, and your, and your harvest, uh, luckily of most of these incredible uh, gifts from the earth comes about in different times. So the, so the the moving of people to and fro to to help handle those situations is great. And then of course mechanized machinery has its purposes too, right? It'd be a lot of work to milk all those cows. <laughs> yeah. Right. But that's a great point to bring up, right? Cause I often say like CAD is just a tool. It doesn't teach you, you know, the, those machineries, those are tools. It doesn't teach them how to be better farmers and to know what's coming on the almanac. And gosh, as far as a scary business is you're not really sure what the weather is going to do. So you're just going to hope for a good year, right? I mean, talk about being in a really risky business. Well, uh, you, you, you put it all forward to my great-great-grandfather, who was really kind of my mentor growing up. I was fortunate. He lived in his upper 90s, so he was a part of my upbringing. Uh, he... Uh, he, he <laughs> So comical. So he, he, he sold seed, right? So the train car comes into town and, uh, and, 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 and you, 
you, you, you scheduled that to come in. Of course, then it came when it came and then you immediately dispersed it all to everyone. And uh, then no one paid you. Right. <laughs> so you don't get paid for your seed uh, in that, in that time period until the harvest. Right. Right. So he would spread it all out and he'd be the, the, the skin and bones farmer during the season because he, he, he put all the money up front, but he always said, he goes, we could be skin and bones all we want in the summer. He goes in the fall, it will all be here so we can make it through the winter. Um, right. You just knew that was going to happen. So, so you ate bread and you had eggs, right. That, that always just happened. So you're steady with, with what you have during that period. Um, but then of course you're preserving, right. You're preparing for, for the cold. So, um, gosh, the similarities always from, uh, the, the working sharing community of farmers are prevalent in, and I would say more so our sector of the AEC industry. Yes. Um, uh, but but it, it has the ability to grow. Um, it, if, if it didn't, I don't think we would expel so much passionate energy, um, <laughs> right? Because planting that seed, uh, I don't know a craftsperson or a designer that doesn't that doesn't get invigorated by creating and completing and creating and completing. We get we get worn out when when the project doesn't happen, right? You brought it to this amazing level and it doesn't happen, but we get so filled with it happening. And so we never unlearn. When we find a a better way to do things, we carry that forth and it continues to trickle down and spread out uh, just like the rain. So uh, I I think this incredible world of people that care about air and, and care about the people in the buildings. It's going to continue to spread. It's a message that never needed to be said before. Um, we had we had periods in time where we just had to produce housing so hard and so fast and so lean because our industries were used to being lean and hard and fast to make it through World War One and World War Two. Then afterwards, we had all these bodies that just needed a place to live and start their families and lives. So we, so we got lean and we got fast, um, but we were, we didn't have the time to stop and say, "What are we doing?" And and we never had the time to encourage one another to say, "Hey, that's actually going to Mary and uh, and and Pat down the street." So maybe maybe we should throw some overhangs on that and keep that house around for, for, for their kids. Yeah. It's it's so interesting, you know, what's kind of happened in the built environment and how we've gotten to certain places and how we created suburbia and how we also, you know, went from a society that spent a lot more time outside to now we're at a place where, you know, pre pandemic, we said 90% of our time indoors, but during pandemic, I mean, it's even more than that. Right. And more time in our homes. Right. Because, We've done away with the traditional office building where at least in commercial work, we, we thought about ventilation. We probably had some kind of ventilation strategy. Was it good? Did it work? 
questionable, but we thought about it. We had one as something that happens more in commercial, but now everybody's working from home and we're using our homes in a different way than we used them before, or we're noticing because those hours that we spend at home aren't the hours we spend sleeping, right? Where we don't realize that the poor quality sleep that we're getting because of the stuff that's in our house, like we were asleep. We didn't think about it. We got up after eight hours and we, we left and we got in our car and we went to our office building and, and whatever. Well, now we're home all the time. We're like, man, why am I tired all day? Why am I sick all the time? I don't go anywhere. I haven't seen anybody, you know, why, why this, why that, why are we having these health issues? And we're starting to go, Oh, well, well, wait, what, what's in our house? What are, what are we breathing? What are we doing? What, what are these materials that we've been using? Like, Oh, that's great. It's not growing mold, but it's filled with other toxic material. Like, Oh my goodness. (laughs) So I think, you know, where, where once some of the ventilation strategies for residential were suggested, right? Like we kind of think you should do this. Now it's getting to the point where people are going, oh no, we realize why we need to do it. So in a, um, in a big way, and, and some of those points you touched on are, are real. So we, for those that commuted, we, we, we all know what it's like to be behind a bus or a truck. And, and, and so there's been, standards that have changed to make that part of our lives better. And then many of us have worked in commercial buildings that uh, we all knew had had this and that laden with them. And of course, they're typically sealed. Um, so, so our health, we were aware of those factors. But yes, bringing it back to our homes, um, we're, we're aware of those different factors. And by gosh, if we would have had CO two detectors, and um, and and just humi- like like those finely tuned humidistats to see what the residential building changed by having these walking furnaces and vapor people in the building, like it's so funny how we talk about people, but they they we're amazing with what we expel in a in a in a in an enclosed environment, right? Our buildings are are so much different than they were before. They were, they were leaky because we didn't have the materials we had and they're tighter sometimes by accident, right? We didn't right. like truly by accident. Um, and, and we stopped listening to our mothers. You know, I'm speaking in general for those of you that do this, bless your hearts, but we, we brought our shoes into our home. I mean, it may not wear them in the home, but we brought them in the home and, and they're filled with so many pollutants. It's unbelievable. Like, I don't need to be graphic. Y'all know what's on the bottom of your shoe, right? Um, that Lionel Richie song, walking down the street, step on a piece of gum. What is it? Stuck on you, right? It is, it is just a part of your shoe. It's in your house now. And it's leaching. It is leaching. And you're there all day. That's why you got a headache. Go walk down the street, pick a tomato, uh, pick a blueberry, the right ones, and uh, and come back, take off your darn shoes, y'all. Open up the window. If you can, like, God forbid there's a fire, right? 
Right. I know. And in, in a lot of places, hopefully the outdoor air, like we always talk about fresh air and bringing fresh air and like, hopefully knock on when you're in one of those places where the air outside is fresher than the air inside. But you know, if, if you're, if you're not, <laughs> then all the more reason for ventilation and HEPA filtration and all kinds of other stuff that at least helps us to try to reduce uh, some of those toxins. And yeah, I mean, you look at other cultures that don't like, it's insulting if you try to wear your shoes inside their home, like, Oh, we leave the shoes here. And there's a reason we leave the shoes here. It's, it's just what's so. And, uh, I don't know about the whole world, right. I haven't explored the whole world, but everything that I've experienced, almost everything in North America is covered with, let's just choose an easy word, paint. Um, typically uh, five, right? Five out of the six uh, layers of that, of that box that you're in is covered in paint. Boy, if that doesn't seal stuff up, that's why we use it. Well, well, some people argue we use it for color, right? Um, Which is, which is great. If it looks like the background behind you, Emily, everyone can see that you can't, but it's beautiful. And uh it's the visual of, of podcasts, but I tell you the pain everywhere. The, it, we're such a drywall paint based industry. And I can tell you, there's not a conference I've been to where someone comes and speaks about gypsum and latex. No one speaks about gypsum and latex, but it is in every single project we do. Wow. Right. We're not talking about a lot of things. I mean, people aren't talking about plywood and then you just kind of get used to it. Right. It's a great building material. You can use it. It comes in big sheets. It's it's whatever. But we had two plywood things recently. One, the cost of plywood is astronomical right now, which I live with a lot of other things. But two, I had a client that had uh, issues with petroleum and we had to cut glue out everything. You know what has glue in it? plywood so we luckily that builder doesn't use plywood anyway they're board sheathing that they get from the local lumberyard which is great but it's like oh yeah and then we had to start thinking about what materials in our building have petroleum in it and boy is that (laughs) list long right and there were some things that we just couldn't replace right there were some things that just don't really exist well i'm not saying they don't exist at all because in some cases they do but the cost of getting it to you or where it's coming from like if you have to expel so much carbon to get it to this location for you to even use it is that more sustainable than now you now granted they had a health issue related to it so but when you're just talking um you know, picking a good material, right? It matters where it came from or, you know, all the things we don't talk about. Um, Somebody mentioned it. I can't remember if it was on BS and beer. It might've been on, um, uh, on Tuesday night on the wall challenge. They said, you know, the worst thing we're doing in the construction industry is everybody's driving their own truck, like a half an hour, an hour to the job site every day. Like, oh yeah, we don't talk about that either. (laughs) Right. Um, well, and, and true, right. The, the, the joy of offsite, right. Has its benefits. If we're making beneficial structures or panels or whatever your widget is in there, but we all know that we can make, we can, we can make garbage 
in your front yard and we can make garbage under a building. And uh, well, let's face it, there is no way. So let's stop making things we have to rebuild because we don't have the workforce to begin with. Right. Wink, wink. Right. We're not building. We're not in the market of building disposable housing anymore. Right. So I keep saying, and um, oh, you have to listen to the podcast this week. It'll be live tomorrow. But I talked with Anna with Maine Passive House, and she said, wouldn't it be great if there was just somebody who came around and picked up everybody's job site scraps and could turn them into Larson trusses or tea studs or something like that, right? Because on a job site, maybe it's easier to throw it out. Well, that it's not what anybody wants to do, but you know, I, but that person, I guess, would have to have an electric vehicle that was powered by their own solar system to cut down on the emissions. <laughs> well, so if we, if we, if we, you know, it's good to rabbit hole, right? So right. whether it's, whether it's a job site or a facility creating the buildings we need. So the folks that say we can't have any more carbons in buildings, I say, okay, well, let's just put a pin in that because we need buildings. Get over it. Like there's a lot we can do, but let's, let's focus on, on tangible. So as much as people are coming to the, to the, to the factories or to the, to the sites, they're also leaving from there and they're going back to somewhere besides their house, right? They're going probably back to a supply house or the supply house is coming to them. So uh, that, that quick, that quick uh, conundrum fix is, uh, if we have our garbage cans, right? Garbage, funny word. And we have our recycling containers, right? Funny word. Uh, we can have our, our our fiber bins, right? I don't I don't care who you are. You can have your fiber bins. And for crying out loud, Home Depot uh, uh, had battery and light bulb collections. So. Before we had LEDs, because LEDs was never gonna make it, it was never gonna happen, right? We had we can't we had incandescent bulbs. And after the incandescent bulbs, we had the CFLs. And then they found out that holy cow, there's so much mercury in these that we're gonna be dead in a week. And so so Home Depot put, took it upon themselves to have battery collection and to have CFL collection. And there was a remarkable amount of human beings being human doings, and they were bringing those batteries and CFLs to Home Depot. So much, Emily, that Home Depot got fined for having hazardous waste in communities, right? <clears throat> so solution, problem, problem, solution. But if there's a person out there that says fiber is a hazardous waste, uh, first of all, don't stand in my doorway because you'd be on your butt. Uh, se second of all, people would do it. And there might be people that will just use it to have camaraderie by a fire, right? Man loves fire. And if, if you don't try marshmallow and chocolate, you'll change your mind. But um I think I think you you hit on something. It's fiber collection. Um, yeah, it needs to be separated just like recyclables uh, need to be separated. I put air quotes in the air so no one could see me do that. But uh, yeah, fiber collection. Uh, so we already do it in the metal industry, right? Uh, 
it 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 is it is profound and we certainly do it in the in the in the petroleum industry because so many little fragments of this that and the other get shoved into our pharmaceutical pills just so that they look bigger it's a goofy thing huh so fiber collection it's just interesting what you can do like there was there was this company that started collecting glass. I think it was in New Orleans because they weren't recycling glass anymore. So they just started collecting it and they ground it up into sand and made it into other things. And, you know, there are people who, um, what brought it to mind or what I was thinking about is here in my community, there's a company called scrap dogs and they pick up people's food waste to try to divert food waste from the waste stream because it, turns into liquid and causes all kinds of issues and they compost it. And then they bring you a bucket of compost when they come to pick up your bucket of food waste again. So it's like for all those people out there who don't want their own compost bin, right. They don't want to turn it and feed it and do whatever there are companies that they partnered with a local farmer, right? So it's working out that guy's getting some kind of additional, you know, he turns it with his tractor so they, they do the running and, and, and run it around and, um, you know, so I, I get compost for my flower beds and stuff just simply because I put stuff in the bucket and then my trash yeah. can doesn't stink. Right. Cause there's no food scraps in it. It's like, Oh, wow. Like something so simple, but yet big impact. So I don't well, know. It's fun. The whole idea of why we have trash cans is, is, uh, probably the same reason why we fill them. Right. Uh, have you gone to uh, a farm recently, Emily, that has a trash can? <laughs> have you driven down the streets of Germany that has a trash can? Right. Um, for those of you that don't get that, uh, hit me off offline. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. But uh, <laughs> right? We'll be here till next week. <laughs> yeah. There's so many fun rabbit holes to go down, though. Fiber, fiber collection. Um, yeah, you got to find a way of, of throwing the word carbon into that now. Uh, sweet Jesus, we had a presidential uh, platform last year, and the two candidates used the word carbon on the stage. No idea what they were saying, but they used the word carbon, and... Uh, I think it's been eight years since a presidential candidate even used the word sustainability. So carbon seems to be that catch word. Um, net zero seems to be that catch word. There's these catchy words and there's these other ones that are so powerful, but they never caught. Right. Well, that's, it really is. It's all about linguistics and using the right words, right? It's not the person that has invented it or come up with the idea or whatever. It's the person who makes it relatable to other people that it catches on. That's what, that's what gets, that's the turning point, right? Yep. It, it's a, uh, it's, you might call it storytelling, right? You have, you have someone at the, let's call it a dining room table of friends and family that is talking and talking and talking. And then someone comes into the room with coffee because everyone's falling asleep. Like we don't, we don't care about that. Uncle Bill, uh, you're losing the crowd. Everyone's ready to go home. And then you get aunt Sally walk in the room and it's magic, right? Everyone's just, uh, all 
playing a game that they hate because Sally says it's fun. And um, we, we, how we introduce things and how we make it, um, like you said, the power of language is, is, is often on that, that timetable of youth. And, uh, and, and we, we eliminated uh, the world of trades from our high schools, you know, over the last 30 years. And we wonder why we have a short workforce and uh, a lack of housing is because the recent study says that uh, 40% of the high schoolers today want to grow up and be a YouTuber. Um, maybe that causes Emily and I to think, why don't we grow up to be YouTubers? If it's going to be so popular, we should be YouTubers. But I want to grow up and be a YouTuber. Yeah, like, that seems good. Yeah, seems good. like, uh, can I, can I, can I get my, uh, my, my fancy pins and patches on my apron? Um, that say I'm the best YouTube tuber there is, but what you know, you walk into any grade school, and at times you said you heard, I want to be a fireman, I want to be an astronaut, right? Like, those are amazing things that, um, that people said. <clears throat> I don't know what they're saying in the schools today, but uh, I want to build a pretty good house. And I want my family to be happy and healthy and, and live forever and play games. <clears throat> well, that sounds like a conversation. Um, do, the, do the data dive. Do the deep data dive on that and, and tell me that that's not what everyone wants along with chocolate pudding. It is. It's just what they want. Can I have vanilla pudding? I don't actually eat chocolate. Um. You, 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 you can, I mean, chocolate pudding is really vanilla pudding before they add the cacao, but, uh, yeah, <clears throat> a couple less drops of vanilla. Um, sure. Sure. You can, especially with strawberries and bananas. Sure. Strawberries and bananas. I, I t- I'll take it. I'll take it. And I have tried for years to like chocolate and I just don't, I don't know. Any, any kind of chocolate. Pretty much. Even. It, there, there's not one scenario like uh, hot cocoa. Uh, no, dark chocolate, really dark chocolate. And it has to have something else with it. Like it, it can't just be straight up chocolate. And like M&Ms and chocolate ice cream are at the top of the list of things oh. I won't eat. Just don't like them. Wow. Oreo I've tried cookie. An Oreo cookie. Oh, OK. Well, I don't know. Does Oreo cookie really count? I will eat an Oreo. I guarantee it. So uh, I bought Java chip Oreo cookies the other day and uh, skipped dinner. It was a it was a long day. I don't know. I was doing one of those night shows. And so I was sitting there and I was I was eating Oreo Java chip cookies. So I I pretty much, you know, demolished it because those containers are serving sizes are completely completely off who's ever monitoring the whole box is a serving size come on yeah if they think building science is is rickety i tell you the people that do serving sizes are rickety and uh so i demolished the box of oreo java chip and i'll tell you what there is definitely something in there could also be sugar that keeps you awake at night um because it it kept me awake at night um so 
Well, we found out that not chocolate, but you do do Oreos. And it could be the dairy kid in you, right? Because I'm pretty sure that cows invented Oreos just so job security. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Definitely that one. <laughs> oh, man. So Tangent City here today. I know, uh, we right? Did, we did solve the world's fiber problem. So um, make sure everyone passes along the fact that it it was on Emily's podcast that we solved the fiber problem. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for Good Morning America to have you and I on, on to talk about our fiber relief aid cart. Carbon Across America with John Cougar Mellencamp. It's going to be great. Oh, all right. Let's do it. Let's do it up. Put that up on the hashtag. Come on, good morning, America. No more, no more farm aid. This year it's fiber aid. <laughs> People are going to be showing up with their little concoctions thinking that we have digestive issues. <laughs> <laughs> well, and $8 to two by four these days, everybody's going to be saving those. <laughs> I, 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 one of the greatest images I saw, and I know it was a mock-up of a Home Depot building center, and it was, uh, you know, your your bachelorette type scene of this of this lady and this gentleman sitting at a, at a dining room table in the middle of a Home Depot uh, aisle, right? It was superimposed to say, you know, this is this is what I call a, a, a luxury high end dinner, right? And uh, it's hilarious. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm a contrarian when it comes to that. I think, I think fiber prices are getting to where they should be. I mean, for crying out loud, like it's an amazing thing that somehow uses sunlight and earth and air to create this massive, beautiful green barky leafy thing. And, uh, and 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 we're complaining that it should be cheaper. Get over yourselves. Honestly, I don't think anything in the construction industry should ever get cheaper. And the that um, that the cost of of non man made materials should be as expensive as the man made stuff, yeah. right? So that it's all apples to apples comparison, and that everybody on the team should be making a good wage, right? Because it's hard. Show up every day, be the craftsman, be the the artist that you are in, in this built environment and create. I mean, what's the one thing that, well, I mean, there were a lot of things that people needed beside, besides water and toilet paper during this pandemic, but a place to live, right? A house, a home. And, you know, the single family homes, the most expensive way to do it. So if it just keeps getting more expensive, we'll come up with more creative solutions on how to, you know, infill our areas to provide the housing that we need. So people have safe and comfortable and healthy places to live. I would like a data dive on workforce. Workforce comparatively to the square footage and the square footed price of the dwelling you live under mm -hmm. so that we can see teacher, nurse, uh, uh, con uh, uh, concrete professional, trim carpenter, structural engineer, uh, real estate agent, appraiser, right? Let's see what all those are because there's some people that backbreaking, Right. 10, 12 hours a day in the field, who knows how many hours a day on the phone and, 
and, and tablet or, you know, laptop thingy, whatever that is that they have and, and compare their square footage and their quality of, of housing compared to, let's say someone else. And I'm not going to name names, but everyone could anticipate what the data dive is. And that chart would be uplifting um, because uh, the, the, the workforce is magnificent and we have to we have to make sure that the, the dwelling that people live under and live in is equivalent to the dwellings that they're creating. Um, it's pretty simple. Uh, I think I think I think it's possible if we all have a different uh, if we all have a, a, a different bushel like form of measure, right? Some of our bushels are a little bit off. <laughs> yeah. Some of our bushels are a little bit off. Yeah. So I, I do, I, I, I do play with things. Uh, I think Emily, you know, I, 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 I liked, uh, this LinkedIn platform. Yep. Uh, most people that, that know me or think they know me probably have an idea of my LinkedIn platform, but what I haven't shared, uh, and uh, it's not because I, I've held it back, but um, what I'm not sure is some of the things I post have nothing to do with my belief system. Hmm. It has to do with what can I learn from what other smart people that are probably not agreeable to me have to say. So I read an article. I, I have six tangents that I could dump on, but I shouldn't, right? Because there's probably a lot of smart people I could learn from. So I put it out there and then in it comes, right? You get the people that know you and love you and they private message you like, yeah, WTH, what the heck, right? They're like doing that. And then there's other people that don't know you from Adam or Eve and they say, uh, well, I'm so glad you posted this. And bah, 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 they go down the line, right? And so, you know, uh, my my belief system is there is petroleum, but there's so many derivatives of it that I can't even contemplate what it's from or what it's used for. So I happen to put something out about wood and steel and building materials. And of course, there's a whole group of people that are trying to slide in with all these petroleum materials to replace the ridiculous prices of fiber and wood. And um, uh, I could tell you, I didn't learn from anything that they sent me, uh, but they don't stop sending it. They really, they really believe in it. Um, they got, they don't have fresh air in their heads they don't have organic connection in their lives. They they're in the embodiment of some of that poison. Um, and uh, goodness me, I I hope that this short term price thing that we're all making a marketing mockery out of does not mean that we begin to live in milk cartons. Uh, I I really like the the cardboard milk cartons with the little bit of wax on them not really digging that much and I don't want to live in a glass house. 
Yeah. I, well, and I, I love that you, you kind of put things out there or you ask, you, you get responses because we often learn things we didn't know, right? Like we only know the things that we've previously learned or the background that we have. Right. And so, you know, it's all well and good to say, oh, I want to eliminate something without realizing how the elimination of that thing is tied to so many other things. Right. So we, and we don't even talk about this as part of our buildings. Like I learned building science as house is a system, which makes me think about everything. Okay. Well, how's this one thing connected to this next thing? Well, that's actually how our whole environment works. So if we only look at one thing, then, you know, we're, we're missing a whole host of what other things are, which was part of what I loved about Tuesday night, which is, you know, the students submitted their wall sections. That was awesome. Right. Kudos to them. They did an amazing job. And then you get a whole bunch of building industry professionals on who all still disagree with each other and respectfully so and saying things and, and, and learning. And then you learn a different perspective. You learn something that maybe you just hadn't thought of yet, right? Maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but it's that give and take that's so exciting, right? That, okay, how does this reflect to something else? I've probably had three dozen conversations uh, with people in attendance and involved with Tuesday night. And Emily, you, you were uh, a great judge. I, 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 I love what you said. And I really love what everyone said. And I love the fact that this transformation occurred of a great contest last year, ushered forward from Travis and the likes of good people. And then the, the, the kind of recreation this year of, of the student base and how so many things happened as a result of the perfect storm, right? It, 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 it blasted to another level. And I, I think it will, uh, I think it will blast off again. Uh, now, I, I have bias towards certain people, right? Because I have backgrounds with certain people. Right. Um, I, I loved that some of the conversation was not agreeable because so often in the building science world, if someone says, well, I build my wall this way and this is what I put here and this is what I put there and then I use dot, dot, dot mineral wool. Okay, the next five people after that say the exact same thing as that person because they all want to be heard at the same level as that person. It's the weirdest thing. We all like our lemonade different. It's just so, right? Small glass, tall glass, ice, without ice, with pulp, with rind. Y'all like it different, right? And there's seeds and all of it. Get over it. But the part I liked is that some people jumped in with their full passion. Some people let them have their place. Some people added to it. Some people contradicted it. And then you had this magical moment of a high school student who, who, who went on to win uh, was so clear spoken and so appreciative of the setting, the, the, the intellect, the experience, the know-how, and the caring and sharing of everyone there, uh, that that tells me that there's light at the tunnel for the next generations to do better 
And uh, that's all we can ask for is uh, my favorite line, ever expanding results. And and the winner, Dylan Ingwe, who who happens to be like, I think, North America's youngest CPHC already, now gets to go on and have some sort of training with uh, Connors College or, or, or the, the great folks at EMU or, or who knows where, uh, and, and all these other prizes that were not a part of the program to begin with. And, uh, oh man, if we could have like 10,000 Dylans uh, come out of this, right? Uh, wow, what's gonna happen? Right. And I, I recorded a podcast with Connor, um, which is going to be up, uh, I don't know, two weeks from now, I think. And we, and we talked about a little bit of this and, um, you know, just saying like, man, getting them interested at that level. Like I went to a high school that had shop classes. I came from a farming family. My grandfather was a contractor, all that stuff. Right. Good good on you. But that was 20 years ago. I don't even know if my high school is still teaching those same classes anymore. And (laughs) now your experience is only if you know someone, you know, and so I mentioned my niece wants to go to trade school because she wants to try out uh, this architecture and engineering and CAD drafting class because I'm an architect and she sees what I do and how passionate I am about it. And so she's going to do that. But if I didn't do what I do, there's no way she would have any interest in that because it's not actively taught at their school. It's at the trade school. But if she didn't know about that or what it might be or, or something that she could take, I mean, she probably like any high school kid at 15 would have glossed right over that. Like, Oh, I'm, you know, whatever. That's just a thing, you know? And so getting them excited at Dylan's age. I mean, I think it's awesome that a high school student beat out a couple of college trade schools that put in there now granted i also have to give kudos to him he might have been the smartest person ever by choosing to do a retrofit so he hit a bunch of buttons right there right so so he had a lot going for him although i did you know i i liked what he thought and i and i thought you know it it was important that we highlight that he consider other materials whether whether it worked in totality or not it's at that stage, that age, the design piece, whatever, to start thinking about those things, right? Because that means that as you get older, you'll continue to question, how does this work with something else? How does this, how does, you know, what's the right scenario here? So um, kudos on him for having taken the passive house class. That is not an easy course to take. Uh, I've, because there's such a diversity in energy systems, I've done a lot of them, right? And Passive House was one of the later ones that I did. So I felt equipped to take it when I took the class. But man, that's a good for him. Good for him. That that uh, uh, certified Passive consultant or certified Passive designer course. I know so many great architects and engineers and modelers in Chicago that all are blessed with that. And I got to meet a lot of you, uh, you know, just through our, through our careers and industries. But I, I tell you what, if, if, if you want me to fall asleep in the middle of a room, uh, ask me, ask me to study for CPHC or CPHD or any of those. It's a, it's, it, it's, a, it's a bridge too far. It's a, it's a, it's a brain that I don't think I have the patience level to do it. it, it Cause you, I always say, 
as I'm sure you know this line, when the only toolbox, the only tool you have in your toolbox is a hammer, everything you see is a nail. And, and it, that doesn't help me with the control panel of, of the CPHC and CPHD. And I can't tell you how many people have offered to help me along the way. And, um, it, it, it would be a feat. I would, I would say if I was able to complete the course, that's one step. If I was able to complete the test, that's another step. Achievable. Um, not saying I'm doing it, but achievable. The only reason I would do those two things, Emily, is so then afterwards I can introduce the course and explain the course from the grouping of the trades and suppliers and contractors and craftspeople that I know because part of the language of CPHC and CPHD and the likes um, just doesn't land or resonate. They, th those folks have the same resistance I do because it doesn't seem like, like we could get there. Um, so that's interesting. And I'm remiss because uh, we could tangent forward. Dylan was one half of a team. Giancarlo was the other half of the team. And I just, I just hadn't known him before. I've got, I've got to have Dylan on my show. I've got to have conversations with him on weekends and he's just an amazing human being. But um, Giancarlo and Dylan came on the construction tech after, after the award ceremony. And, and here, here, here's these two lads, right? They're in high school. It's, it's New York time, so it's late for them. And there's, there's 200 people, half of which are from British Columbia, on, and, and they're sitting there talking to these professionals, telling them about the uh, wall assembly they created for an existing building and a competition that they won. And the kids held their own. Like, they weren't kids. They were, they were professionals that happened to have a lower age than us. Um, brilliant. I, I swear if I had the connections, those, those wonderful uh, human beings would be on Good Morning America because it, it's, it's, a lot easier the, it, it's, it's a lot easier to catch a ball than to do what they did. Um, and nothing against athletes. I've been an athlete my whole life, but come on. It's amazing. High school students busy during the pandemic, right? During all those hormonal, interesting phases of their life. And they stopped. They learned SketchUp. Neither of them had known SketchUp. They learned it. They created that. And they talked to all these amazing companies. Uh, and I'm sure they had no help from industry professionals along the way. <laughs> I, I was just, I'm just blown away and, and impressed by um, everyone who submitted as part of that, because the timeline was short. They all pulled it together and, you know, were willing to take advantage of an opportunity that was pretty amazing. And, you know, it kudos to them. Yeah. I'm, I'm making it happen. Yeah, I know. I, I missed on the end of BS and beer. I was trying to, uh, I was trying to promote Giancarlo so that he could be up with Dylan and uh, wasn't quick enough because of course we ran out of time on the show because we all had too much to say. Right. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and, and we, and those of us involved with the, the construction tech, we didn't get to see the end of it. So we're starting the construction tech and I'm feverishly texting Dylan, like, how you doing? And, you know, he's so nervous. Right. Yeah. And there was some real, like, I don't care what your age is. There's some real pressure filled moments of, you know, he's, what was there, nine or 10 or 11 of you that were speaking about their creation? I think there were 12 of us. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and they're, they're, they're there, right? They, their audio picks up everything you're saying and, and their, their faces pick up all your facial expressions and, and Travis and Jake and Steven and I are texting each other like, I, I don't know if you're allowed to text judges during a thing, but everyone texts, <laughs> right? Um, so maybe that should be a rule next year. No cell phones during judging. But um, yeah, it was amazing. Uh, and and, and there, there, apparently, according to Dylan, there was one other retrofit in the competition that I didn't know of, but he made light of that. And then there, I guess there was two, bare naked T-stud walls. And then there was the one R19 um, uh, wall that, so I think at the end of the day, our products made it into fourth, fifth, and sixth, uh, which is incredible because it's not like we're a household name. Um, you know, we're an up and coming, but it was, it was so cool. So cool. Can't wait for next year. Like next year starts today. And that was Mark Willie unscripted. Join in next week to hear the rest of Mark's world or more of Mark's world. I enjoyed the podcast. If you enjoyed it, like, share, leave us a comment, send us an email, emily at motromarch.com and tune back in next week for some more nerdy with Mark Willie.